Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. So today we have one of our experts on. We have Carolyn Bursty. She is a life and career coach and the owner of Compass Maven LLC, which is a company that helps 20-something women gain the clarity and confidence they need to get unstuck and turn their lives and careers of their dreams into a reality. So I feel like a lot of you are gonna like what she has to say. I can't wait to dig into all of her great advice and of course hear her whole career journey story as well. So without further ado, welcome to the party, Carolyn. Thanks for having me, Bailey. So glad to have you. So I love that you focus on 20-something women. Before we get into your how, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up story, because as we were saying before this call started, I feel like 20-somethings are when you feel like everything's a chaotic disaster and you have no answers and you don't know what you're doing with your life. The amount of times I said, I just don't know what I'm doing with my life in a very dramatic tone were ample in my Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah. So I feel like I'm excited to learn like why 20s. I probably already know the answer and it's because we all needed it. So <laughs> we're all so messed up. We yeah. were all so messed up or we thought we were. We thought yeah. we were messed up. You're actually not as messed up. You're as so you not I think at that's all. Like we can get into that because I think that's a lot of what I do is help my clients be like, it's normal to feel. Yeah. I'm sure you're pain. part therapist. Yeah. <laughs> probably more part therapist. In coaching you try not to be a therapist because you're like, you know, don't want to get into like, I'm not totally qualified for that. Like you should go talk to someone about that. But yeah, I mean, I have a a BA in psychology. So the, you know, what's funny. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that, but I will say pretty much every career coach I've talked to has had some sort of psychology background for education. So I think, you know, it's obvious when you look at it like that and you're like, oh, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But I never really put those two together prior to starting to do this podcast. So, all right, let's go back to the beginning. So what did little Carolyn want to be when she grew up? (laughs) Um, So I think there have been a few things. Um, One, the first thing, like in elementary school, I wanted to be a singer. Um, Sure. You know, I did musical theater. I sang. I like thought that was a glamorous career. You know, like I quit playing the flute um, in going into middle school because they wouldn't let me do flute and choir. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a famous singer. So like, you got to prioritize. Got to prioritize. <laughs> um, but then when I started like actually thinking about a career and going into like middle school, high school, I actually really wanted to be a therapist. So mm. I'm not like super duper far off from where I thought I was going. Um, what gave you that idea in middle school? Um, I basically was that friend that all of my friends came to to solve their problems. <laughs> and I would listen and I would like try to help people feel better about themselves. And it, it was just like something that came really naturally to me. Um, and so I was like, I should do this for a living, apparently. Yeah. And you, you obviously know? liked like, it enough. Yeah. And, and I had taken like a psychology class in college, I mean, sorry, in high school and found it super interesting. And so, you know, I just was like, "Hmm, that's what, that's what I should pursue, you know? Mm. So did you have a moment where the singer part went out the window? What what do you think that was the result of the dose of reality? reality? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that, like going into high school I, it happened to me too. I was definitely going to be a Broadway performer. I never oh, yeah. fancied myself a singer, but I just loved being on stage and I loved 
acting and just commanding an audience. And it's somewhere around ninth and 10th grade. I was like, well, that's not practical. So I need to find another career. And I like traded to journalism. But yeah, I wonder what happens. Way like more practical. 15, yeah, right. Well, in the, in the late 90s, it was. It's true. <laughs> yeah, teenage Bailey didn't know what was coming down the pipeline for journalists. But yeah, that's part of my story later. But okay, so you switch over to wanting to be a therapist. Yeah, and um, so yeah, like day one of college, you go to like sign up for classes in person sort of situation. And I like ran to the psychology booth and was like, I have to be in psych 101, like this moment. <laughs> Very <laughs> eager. Like your turbo. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I basically, that sent me on a whole, you know, my four years of college. Um, I went to Middlebury College in Vermont and uh, yeah, I took tons of psychology classes. I loved it. I found it so interesting. Um, and then I started to kind of build my resume around that, thinking that ultimately I'd go to grad school, get a master's, do the whole, you know, being a therapist thing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And I worked in a psychiatric hospital for two summers and wow. was like, uh, well, was not that doing like? that. It was, yeah. it was tough. It was really tough. Um, and I think it was part of me ultimately realizing that that wasn't the route I wanted to go. Um, of course, I realized this like the last semester of college. And That's usually been, when people finally focused. <laughs> yeah, I've been super focused on the psychology route. And then I was like, I'm a pretty emotional person. I don't know if I can deal with like severe mental health mm. issues. You know, I, I just, I know I don't want to be in a locked psych ward situation. I think like, that, that takes a very so specific kind of person. Person and like, praise them because that's incredible that you can do that. I just, I couldn't do it. And so, um, yeah, I, and then, you know, I needed at least a master's to do anything therapy related. And I was really burnt out on school. I'd work my butt off and I was just like, I want to be an adult. I want to make money. I want to have some freedom, not do homework, all of that stuff. (laughs) So then I kind of came to this place of like, well, now what the hell do I do? Yeah. You had because this focus. is my focus, right? Um, and so simultaneously, a lot of people in my life, including my parents, had been telling me, you know, you should really go into sales. You have the personality for it. You'd be really good at it and all that. And so here I am facing graduation. I'm like, sure, I guess I'll try that. <laughs> Yeah. What else am I going to do? You know, that's good that you were able to mentally make that switch because I hear a lot of people say, especially college, recent college grads saying, well, I realized towards the end that I didn't actually want to do this anymore, but it was too late. I had already spent too much time learning about it going to school. And it's like, that's such a ridiculous thing to say. But when you're that age, you can't imagine starting over, even though you never start over. So that's good that you were able to be like, "Mm, I'm going to try something else for now. Yeah. And I kind of, I always, I had like a folder in my Gmail about like grad school programs sort of thing. And, you know, my plan was like, okay, I heard about the um, Harvard, like accelerated one year master's in ed program. And um, I was like, okay, I think that might be what I want to do when I, you know, I moved to New York for a couple of years, was ready to leave, want to be in Boston. I was like, that's what I'll do when I moved to Boston sort of situation. Um, and I just kept going on along the sales path and I was really good at it. Like everyone had said, I was 
a super high performer. I was making amazing money. What were you selling? I was, um, so I started in ad sales in, um, at actually at HGTV and DIY. Mm-hmm. So I, I was on the network side of things, um, in the rock center area in New York. And Hi. then I moved, um, into more startup world, um, also under the food network in the same umbrella of an company, um, selling to restaurants. And then when I moved up to Boston, uh, I moved into the tech sales space, B2B tech sales. So I was selling, um, data and then email solutions for sales teams. Um, so Excellent. I had like an iteration of jobs in the, yeah. So I worked for like four companies within almost six years. I mean, let's just say I was really trying to figure out what the mm-hmm. hell I wanted. That's good though, that you were brave enough to bounce around. I think job hoppers get a bad rap, but I personally think it means they're curious, they're unwilling to settle and they're brave because it yeah. sucks to have to keep getting new jobs. Like it's not easy and it's not fun. But if you're on a personal quest to find something that you can stay with for a while, you got to try a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I have clients come to me all the time being like, well, I don't feel like I can leave before this date because then I'll be seen as a job hopper. I won't have been there long enough on my resume. And I'm like, it's all about the story you tell Yes, and explaining to people why, right? Okay. If you're just saying, I just keep leaving jobs because I get bored. Yeah, that's not the right story that's to tell. not the right story, right? But you could say, I realized that this was not the right path, that this had a really big interest for me instead. And, you know, I'm doing the company a disservice if I'm like faking it this whole time and I'm doing myself a disservice and I'd rather grow with your organization and what, you know, however you want to spin it. But I'm also a very pro networking to get a job versus just simply throwing your resume onto some email, you know, onto some um, online, (laughs) you know, monster.com or indeed.com form. And so what, if you do have the quote unquote job hoppy ish looking resume, it's way easier to have a conversation about that with someone who's vouching for you and saying you should look at this resume than if you do it online. I love this. I love this conversation because a lot of people come to me and they have the desire to try a bunch of different stuff or career experiment, if you will. And yet they have the fear that if they do it too much or too often, they'll be labeled as a job hopper or flaky and nobody will hire them. So talk a little bit more about that. So the people that come to you that are, maybe they've got a sort of a a fun little choose your own adventure looking resume, right? Where it's a little of this and it's a little of that. And it's maybe all less than two years. How do you work with somebody like that to craft that narrative so that they don't appear flaky? They appear like they are curious and they are a good fit for any company. Yeah. I think a lot of it is you have to get solid on your own whys before you start explaining it to other people. So I do a lot of asking about, okay, like, well, why did this happen? What were the moves? What are the, like, what are the learning experiences you got from each of those jobs and making those sorts of that transition piece too, right? Like, what did you learn in making that move that actually is something valuable to then talk to about this company, right? So I try to get, help them get clear on like, okay, well, why did I do this in the first place? Mm-hmm. What was actually the value of it? The value of me going somewhere new Um, and like getting them to believe that it's okay themselves to have done this and not feel ashamed about it. Because I think if you're feeling uncomfortable and not confident, that comes off totally when you're interviewing. Yeah. If you're not buying what you're selling. Yeah, exactly. So that's a lot of what I do is like, okay, let's just own it. Yeah. 
and, ad and address the issue head on if you are worried about someone asking you about it. So do you like say there's not the situation where they're getting to explain in person about their, their hopping? Do you recommend putting that sort of thing in a cover letter, like addressing it head on when you first apply or is there a better time to do that? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, I'm with you with the value of yeah. getting in from somebody that you know. Yeah, but when you can't day. do it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think addressing it in a cover letter isn't a bad idea, right? Because you want to make sure that the person seeing your resume understands why you're super or and your cover letter, why you're super interested in that current position versus I'm just desperate for a job. So I'm going to apply to something that like does not apply to what I was doing before or I keep moving around. So yeah, right. I don't think it hurts. But it's um, about crafting that narrative. Yeah. It's crafting the narrative in the right way that people are going to say, oh, okay, I'm willing to hear more mm -hmm. from you versus eh. Eh, they're probably going to leave me in a year. Right. right. I'm a, I, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, cause like I moved around a decent amount, but that wasn't ever my intention. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't go to each company thinking I'm going to leave here in a year. Like that's a different type of person. Yeah. That's going to do that. Right. I was going and thinking, I want to be here for a long time. And then each time I kept being really unhappy and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was wondering, you know, is it, mm -hmm. am I compromising on location and culture or product or whatever? Will this other company solve that problem for me? And it took all of those different steps for me to realize actually no, it wasn't all of those things. And it's a good thing I tried all of those things, mm -hmm. but really it was sales in the end. It was just not what yeah. I wanted to do. Does that? So it, absolutely. So it took you, well, I think that's very important because usually when people are hopping around, they're not getting to the core of why they're leaving. They're just looking for the next thing that maybe that'll cure their, their issues. But mm -hmm. many times it's the thing that you're not realizing that's causing the unhappiness. And I find with myself more often than not, when I've been unhappy with a job, it's something that was about me that I could have fixed. But instead I just kept looking externally and said, well, it's my boss. I just, I'm really, I just don't like working for somebody. And it's like, mm, no, maybe you need to adjust something about your own expectations or for your situation, you know, your interests just weren't really aligned. Like sales right. was the problem. And right. that's never going to get fixed by going to do another sales job at a different company. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I thought, you know, what I thought I wanted, which was to move into a sales management position. And like when I first started in sales, that was the goal. And even when I decided I wanted to be a coach, I was planning to use my coaching skills in a management role for like three to five years until I felt comfortable starting my business. Right. And then life has other plans for you. And oh yeah. You know, life thinks your um, plans are hilarious. Yeah, exactly. So I just lost, totally lost my train of thought, but there's so basically, yes. <laughs> so when you were coming to the end of this or the beginning of this conclusion of like, okay, sales is the problem. How did you figure out what to switch over to? Yeah. So I, what I knew about my skill set and the piece that I liked about sales was the relationship aspect. Mm -hmm. I knew I really, really loved working with people. I had fantastic relationships with my clients. People would come back and buy over and over again with me, right? Like I, I had very, I would move to other companies and people would still reach out to me. Like I still get notes from people that I worked with two companies ago. You're like, what are you and, selling? I want to buy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, and you know, or I'm thinking about this idea, can I run it by you? Like they trusted me. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that that was the core of what I 
wanted to do. Um, and then I looked back at the, why did I want to be a therapist piece? Well, I really wanted to help people. Right. I know that may sound so cliche, but no, it's true but that it's like the core so of common. who I am. Right. Yeah. And so how do I find something that aligns with that? And that I struggled with for a long time. I just, I, I knew this and I couldn't get any further mm. than that piece. And I kept saying to my boss, like, I'm really unhappy trying to explain it. I think I want to be a manager, but there wasn't really an opening for me. And then it was like, okay, what if you move into account management? You know, there was different, but it wasn't totally solving the problem. And honestly, the way I figured out about the coaching thing is I took a webinar led by a life coach one day that was, I can't totally remember the title. It was some really <laughs> fluffy thing. And I latched on. And all of a sudden I was like, what is this? What is coaching? And I was like, I have to learn more about this. Oh my God. And as I did, like, this sounds so much like what I want to do. Like, this is all of those things that I've been missing, but it's working with people who know they want to do something great. They know they want to put the work in. They want to be there. They want to show up and talk to you and not dealing with the like severe mental illness yeah. side of things that I just knew I couldn't handle. Right. But I knew I could handle helping people get where they want to go. And so that's kind of how I like realized that coaching was what I wanted was through a webinar of all You discovered it as somebody else doing it. I think that's so important because a lot of times people don't realize what's out there until they stumble across it. And then they're like, wait a minute, this is a job? How come nobody told me this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then it was like, okay, well, how do I make that happen? So, So, okay. That's what I'm excited to hear about. Cause obviously the whole principle of the one year career is making big moves with small steps. So when you identified your big move, how did you start to make those small steps or even identify what they were? Cause usually I feel like you have to figure out what you need to learn. So do you need to go back to school? Do you need to get a certificate of some kind? What do you need to do? Like what kind of experience do you need to gain and who do you need to know or connect with to make that move happen and successful, which goes back to your point of like, use your network to get the job that you want. Yeah. I'm an eternal networker. If I could just network for a job, all day. If someone could just pay me. I would be so happy. You yeah. know, I found yeah. that in business development and partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's lots of ways to professionally make friends for a living. It's true. And I feel like I do it all the time now. And it's like, the best. even as a coach and it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I did was I got a coach myself. I got a life coach to like, make sure that I enjoyed the process. You know, I've been seeing a therapist for years and I liked that, but I knew this was different. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure before I invested any sort of program or anything like that, that I actually enjoyed it, yeah. which like right away I was like, okay, yeah, I do. That's very uh-huh. smart too, by the way. Like you actually got to feel it out and go through the process, which a lot of jobs that's really hard to do in advance. Mm-hmm. It's like, am I going to actually enjoy the day to day of this kind of job? Right. You know, so that's lucky that you were able to actually dive in and, and walk through the process before committing. Right. Right. Yes. It's, it's so true. It, it was definitely like the right move. And anytime anyone talks to me about like, I'm thinking about becoming a coach. Like, what do you think I should do first? I'm like, have you worked with a coach? No, get one. Like step one, do that first step one. Um, then step two was okay. Figure out what sort of certification program I wanted to go to. Um, technically you don't need a certification to be a coach, but I also, you know, wanted the credibility, especially being young, right? I was, and how old were you at this point? Six when I decided 27, 26, 27, when I decided, which is like slightly too young for people to take you seriously, but old enough to know what you really want and to actually have value to add. It's that weird gray zone of 
really weird gray zone. 20s where shit's falling apart in your life usually personally and professionally, but you're like, no, no, I actually have something to give here. Somebody just give me a chance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, And on paper at that point, like by all societal standards, I looked like I was killing it. Right. Like I was making great money. I had a good job. I had, I was in a relationship. Like I just like things were going well. And yet deep down I was like, crying in the bathroom at work and breaking down to my parents over the phone. And anytime anyone talked to me about what I did, I'd be like, go into this long story about how I did sales, but I was really like, it's just not good. Right. And you get stuck in that. Um, so yeah, I got a coach, got a coach, went through that process, decided, okay, I need to enroll in a certification program to like, and then I wasn't like, I'm just going to jump ship from work and try to make this happen. It was very much, okay, I'll start acquiring the skill set while I'm skill set while I'm still in sales. Right. Go from there. So um let's say I did. So what I guess I was 27 when I did I started in uh November of 2015. Yeah, November 2015 was when I um started my coaching certification program. I went to, um, IPEC, which is the Institute for professional excellence in coaching. Mm. Um, it's a combination of in-person class as well as teleclasses and phone call stuff during the week. So I was able to do it while working full time. That's great. Um, and you do a lot of self evaluation and work on yourself throughout the program too. Mm. So so you're like your own client yeah, exactly. So you do get paired up with people from your in-person location to like one person to coach for 12 weeks and another person coaches you for 12 weeks. That's cool. So it's around and stuff. So you get like hands-on practice right away. Um, and you get the practice of being the client too, what it feels like. And so I was doing so much work on myself that I realized, okay, I needed to actually change jobs mm. while I was doing this because I just was really unhappy and like I'd, I'd almost like gone too deep to, to not make a change, if you yeah. will. Um, so I ended up switching to another company, worked in sales for them. My plan again was to hit my number, get promoted, become a manager. So at this point, there. you're still like, okay, I'm going to incorporate this coaching philosophy into my sales work. And so when I become a manager, I'll be great because I will have done coaching and yeah. And maybe I'll do a side business of coaching on the side, but like eventually I will start a coaching. Business. So you kind of felt like you needed more time before you could be legitimate enough to totally. go out on your own. Totally. Totally. I think part of that was just age, right? I mean, yeah. it was myself at 27 and another friend of mine who's 26 and everyone else was 40 plus in our class. Right. Like, mm we were really young in comparison. And again, who are you going to coach that's that much older than you that take you seriously? I mean, friends from that program, I did coach them and like, they would tell you it was a great experience and all that. But it's like, when you're trying to sell yourself to someone, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's different. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was like, okay, I played it safe for a bit because I mean, just diving into entrepreneurship is yeah, that's the smart decision. Playing um, a thing is definitely the smart way to, to like toe dip into entrepreneurship. Toe dip, right. And then I got to a point where I was just too drained at the end of the workday to have any creative energy to put into starting this business or figuring out what it looked like. And I wasn't happy. 
that work either. And I wasn't willing to put in the work to become the manager. And that was my like mm-hmm. red flag of, okay, you're a really hard worker. Like you've always been that way. You know, you're very focused in school, got really good grades, all that stuff. Like, why am I not willing to do this right now? And that's when I got to the point of like, oh, because I was just telling myself that because I was too scared. So October, 2016, I left my job and just went for it. So you, you, Here we are. Home, <laughs> you jumped, you made the leap, you made your big move. Did you have a couple clients going at that point or like, what was your exit strategy like? Um, yes and no. I had no paid clients at that point. They were all like, you know, free people I'd been working with to get my certification and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I kind of just jumped and was like, okay, I'm going to take the next few months to do the creative process and like let this thing build and grow and turn it into something and put a website live and all this stuff. And then I'll find clients. I mean, I was in a very fortunate position that I'd had a very good sales career and I'd saved money. And so I had a financial. That's what I, that's what I wanted to know because I think a lot of times when people leave their job or they just, they, they jump and hope the net appears, which I hate that saying because it's so mm-hmm. dangerous. It's like, okay, that's a great refrigerator magnet and pretty awful advice. Um, and even if you I, have a net, it doesn't necessarily just appear. No, it certainly like it doesn't. doesn't catch you, you, you crochet that or, net. Yeah, as you go. <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah, and like leap with a, you know, without a net, fine, but have like a rope holding on to you at least. Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay, so you had saved money. I had saved money. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go for it. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you afforded yourself a couple of months to like get things moving. Yeah. What were those couple of months like? Um, really exciting. I mean, I think the first week after I, um, quit my job, I didn't, set an alarm and I slept till like 1130 every day. It was like, with yourself. Oh my God. It was so nice. It was one of those like realizations of how sleep deprived I'd been for so many years. And I was just like, I'm going to listen to my, and I'd been working with a friend who was a health coach before I left my job and getting better about like listening to my body when it needs sleep and all that stuff. And so I just like slept, which was such a good feeling. I think I probably did the same thing. I probably not my first week when I left my job because that first week I was like, okay, I got to get work. I got to make this happen. And then after that, I was like, wait, I should probably take a breath because I hadn't ever not had a day job since like, you know, obviously since right out of college. Right. So I was, you know, 10-ish years at that point. So yeah, I think that first month is a strange zone to find yourself in where you're like, I don't know if I should like what time I should wake up. Why am I getting up still at 7am? Is there a reason what works? Yeah. 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 And I definitely got to a point where I like started to feel like, Oh, I should be doing things in a certain amount of time. Like my boyfriend would come home and he'd be like, so what did you do today? And I would like rack my brain of things to say, because I was like, I have to seem like I like did something, did something, you know, (laughs) but like sometimes that doing something is just like, sitting there and writing. Yeah. Cause that's part of it, right? Like the number of hours I actually coach people versus all of the other shit I have to do for the business. Yeah. It's like not cool. equal, right? Like, Oh my God. It, it, no one tell, And maybe, maybe people tell you that, but you don't hear it and don't understand don't it until it. you're in it. Right. And you so imagine. Like, yeah. You imagine like, my days and I fill with clients and it'll just happen. Yeah. You're not picturing writing like 
the social media copy to get clients and tweaking your website a hundred billion times. Like, oh man, I've, I've gotten pretty good at Squarespace, but I'm still pretty garbage at it. And the amount of like tiny little tweaks I've made in the last couple of years on it, just for so many hours. Oh, I know. What do I have to show for this? So many hours. Yeah. I am extremely grateful. I had a friend who we traded services at the time. So I coached her um, and she helped me with the whole website. That's very, how to use Squarespace, you know, and like, this is how, I mean, I never built a website before. I'd had like a Tumblr blog for a hot second right (laughs) out of college. That was like photos of food and things that I liked and found like, I think it still exists, but I don't even have it. <laughs> so yeah, there's a big learning curve. It's a learning curve. And like Squarespace is like pretty easy, but at the same time I was, I was literally like paralyzed, you know, like, thank right. God I had her. Yeah. That help. Oh my God. Um, and then allowing your friends to help you too. I mean, this is another good point about leveraging your network. Like when you are brand new to something, anything, even if it's a new industry or you've switched companies or you went out on your own really relying on the people in your community to help support you during those learning curve moments is so crucial. So crucial. And I am very, I have no problem asking for help. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're similar to me and like you'll barter your services your staff. Yeah. And like, I also don't, I don't want to do something half-assed. So if someone knows how to do it better than me, you bet I'm going to ask them for help. <laughs> Absolutely. I love offloading things onto people who can do it more efficiently and better than me. Yeah. 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 So or you can just tell me how to do it. So I don't have to like spend a bajillion hours on the internet trying to right. figure it out and like waste <laughs> time. You know, exactly. So after you kind of got your feet under it, when did you get your first paying client? How did you get them and who were they? It actually happened pretty quickly and it was a really cool kind of full circle moment. Um, so I did something that most entrepreneurs probably wouldn't advise doing, but whatever. I launched my website and then I went to France for two weeks with my family on vacation. (laughs) You're like, well, see you later. (laughs) Yeah. So last January, I actually, so I took again, the fall of 2016 to really like flesh out the business. I mean, I was coaching on the side, but like not under the umbrella of Compass Maven at this point. And so Last January, actually, yesterday was a year since I like officially launched the business. So a year in January, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I did that, and then February sixteenth, fifteenth, I flew to France for two weeks, <laughs> and it was like, I'll figure out, I'll figure it out when I get home. Like, you know. And while I was gone, two people actually filled out my like work with me form via my website that I did not know. Like, I did not know these girls. Do you know how they found you? So one of them found me through, funny, the networking group that I had taken that webinar through. Wow. That I'd learned what coaching was. So have you heard of Elevate? Yeah, um, I love Elevate. Elevate. So I've been a member since it used to be 85 Broads when I was in high college. And my mom had been a member of it in New York and was like, you should be a member or whatever. So I did. And I had, I had just updated my information profile on there. I had really not give it. Like, that reminds me, I should, I should probably yeah. do that. <laughs> I had like not thought about it. You know, I'd like been a member and you got their emails and stuff. I hadn't done much. And so I just, before I left, updated my information and she, this client had moved to Boston recently and was looking, had known coaches where she lived before and was looking for someone and found me that way. Wow. And she like bought my largest package, paid me up front. It was like, 
okay, this is Wait, the song so I needed. Like, vacation. I'm doing this, you know? You're like on vacation so, and all of this is happening. Happening. And I'm like, uh, I'm away, but like, let's set up a time to talk when I get back, like in two weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a best case a scenario. Very, it was like best case scenario. Um, I mean, it hasn't all come that sure. easy, obviously. And, you know, year one is a lot of starts and stops and starts yeah. and stops and all that. You think that, you're but. on the right track and then you're like, wait, am I doing the complete wrong thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, that's how I got my first client. It was totally that's amazing. Unexpected. But it was one of those like, okay, universe put this there to like give right. me that, yes, you're on the right path. Right. Like, don't quit. Keep going. <laughs> don't get cold feet. Yeah. Keep going, you know. It's almost like you yeah. get a little sample of what it could be like and you're like, oh wait, I want more of this. I want that. Yeah. I yeah. want to keep doing this. And that's an important piece too. Like elevates one of many amazing professional networking groups that you guys can join. Like I'm probably a member of way too many professional yeah. groups, but I'm like an extracurricular floozy, always have been. Um, but truly, like if you expect to start a business or get a new job and you're not like nurturing your network, good luck. It's not going to happen. Right. No, Sorry. it's so important. <laughs> it's so important. And I've actually even done a workshop on that for, I have like a networking 101 workshop that I've put together, but I did one for um, like entry-level sales talent with a company and being like, okay, yeah, you're doing a bunch of cold calling and stuff for your job, but also you should be networking because well, just one clients and two, you never know where that's going to take you. you don't. Every single job I have ever applied for and like was hired for was via networking. Yeah. I have never just done the straight through some online black hole, got hired sort of situation. I mean, it happens, but, uh, the one I have gotten one rude. job, one job out of my like 16, Jesus. Um, that's not an exaggerated number. <laughs> One job out of my 16 in like 11, 12 years that was not through a person. It was one of those like indeed.com mm -hmm. jobs. And let me tell you, there's a reason, like if somebody, if I would have asked somebody about that, they would have been like, mm, no, Bailey, like, no, don't do it. And yeah. it, it was because it was a startup. I had an MBA, right. And I was making like, I think $30,000 a year with this startup and I was running all of the things. <laughs> All of the things. And so with an MBA. With an MBA and at like 29 years old. And it was it was horrible. I mean, I loved every second of it, minus being so, so poor that I had like two other side jobs. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. My point in saying that is if it was that easy to get that job, that tells me something, right? Like, oh, probably because nobody else wanted it because it was paying from so that way. Money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like from Indeed and having nobody connect me, the fact that I like got that job within probably a week, which also never happens, red flags were going off all over me. And I was like, wow, I don't understand. This is so easy. This is so great. <laughs> so yeah, besides just having an easier entryway into a company, mm -hmm. getting somebody to get you into the door for a job also helps them tell you like, listen, I know you, this might not be the right fit, but like go for it anyway, but just be warned. Mm -hmm. When you mm -hmm. do it without anybody's help, you're going in blind. And that's not totally. usually the best way to get a new job. Totally. I 100% yeah. agree. 100% agree. Network. So now it's yeah. Not, it doesn't have to be that scary. Just do it. Now, people make such a big deal out of networking. Like, it's this horrible it's so thing. Fun. I always tell people, I'm like, imagine when you go to an event, you're going to meet a future best friend, right? Like, imagine yeah. that a future friend, or what do I say, a future old friend. 
imagine that somebody in this room is like a future old friend of yours and tonight is the night you meet. How exciting is that, right? Like this is where right. you met that person. How great right. is that? And when you flip it around like that, you're now like uncovering who that person might be instead of being like, hi, I'm Bailey, I do this, and you hate it. It's like, are you my future new best friend? Are you my future? And you're asking better questions because yeah, you're totally. actually trying to get to know the people in front of you. So knock it off, you guys. Start networking. Stop making big big deal out of it. It is literally the most important thing, I think, to your professional success and personal success. 100%. I met my husband in a networking group, and that was not intentional. So you just never I know. Love that. So you're off and running, you're full on, you've got a, you're a year plus in, this is incredible. Um, mm. So tell me about who comes to you and why they come to you. Yeah, so most, so again, I work with women mainly in their 20s, some like early 30s. I hate the word millennial, so. It just is too broad. Just, and it just. It's, it's like a 20 year period, I, that's I stupid. Push on it. I know, so, you know, 20s, early 30s. Um, most of my clients, I'd say, are like 26 to 30 range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that is when you first graduate college, you don't necessarily know what you don't know. Yep. And you're spending all this time trying to figure out like how the hell to be an adult, mm-hmm. but you're not like, am I happy? You're just like, oh, you don't have time it. to think about that. Right. You're just, but you're like, this is a new way of life. And I guess I'll just do this. And right. then- 24, 25, 26, you start to be like, this is not where I thought I was going to be at all. (laughs) What the hell? Right. (laughs) And so I think that's like when, and okay, I'm unhappy enough that I'm ready to do something about it. Right. right? You're not fresh out of college. You have a couple of years under your belt. Right. Yeah. You have the resources to do it. Right. You're not like, Hopefully, like, I'm just going to eat ramen every single day at that point, right? So, But hey, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. You got to do what you got to do. Okay. Um, so yeah, most of my clients come to me, I think, at this point where they're like, I've either been in the same place since college and I'm not happy, mm-hmm. or I've bounced around a bunch and I still haven't found what makes me happy. And I'm unhappy enough that like, I want to do the work. Mm-hmm. the internal work to figure out what actually is going to make me happy and then how to actually make that happen. Mm. And that's where you come in. And that's where I come in. So how do you do it? So yeah. give us all the secrets. Give all of the secrets away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do focus a lot on like getting down to who you are at your core, right? I do a, up front. I do a lot of like core values, work, strengths, weaknesses, do you want to call them that rooms for room for improvement and areas of growth, whatever you want to call it. Um, like who are you? Right. Because again, in your twenties, there are so many opinions about what you should be doing, what success looks like, all of this stuff. And so it's like, before you even try to like figure out your next step, like stop. Yeah. Press pause, breath, press pause. Like being at your job one more day is not literally going to kill you. Right. Right. Like, Let's help you figure out what you do really want so that when you do make that next change, it's in a more purposeful direction than I just need to get out the hell out of here. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to get the hell out of there and get a bridge job that's going to make you a little less miserable to get you to the next thing. And I have clients who are in that place, especially clients who have, you know, really, really demanding jobs, constant hours where they're like, I can't even like 
go anywhere for an interview. Right. You can't even breathe. Like I can't even go to the gym. How am I supposed to find a new job? Right. In those cases, like it can be valuable to go somewhere else. It's going to be a little less constant stress. Right. But again, it's like, who are you at your core? Like not your parents' opinions, not society, not your friends, not your professors. Like, what do you want? What makes you happy? Like, let's do some exercises around like figuring that out. Right. And then how do we start talking about this? What do you start, start creating a language with which to look for jobs that might encompass those things? And then how do we make them happen? That makes a lot of sense. I mean, do you find that most people have a really hard time narrowing down what actually makes them happy? Or once you start talking, does it tend to bubble up? I think it tends to bubble up. Um, A lot of people, because of where their head is at when they come to me, is all they can focus on is what they don't like. Yeah. And so I try to help a mind shift their mindset around that of like, okay, actually all of that, you, what you don't like is very informative. It's Mm -hmm. all really important information for what you do like. And I really do feel like I was about to punch the next person who told me like figuring it's okay to keep figuring out what you don't like. You'll eventually find what you like, but it's true. Yeah. Like that stuff, that stuff is telling you something. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we can look at it from, okay, well, if you like hate yeah, what are the most common things yeah. people really hate about their careers? Um, no time, no t- personal time whatsoever. Like, like lack rigid, of work-life balance. Lack of work-life balance. You know, I'm not a huge work-life balance person. I don't know if that totally. I think it's bullshit. Try for. I think it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, but 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 balance to an extent, right? Or setting boundaries with bo- or ba- bosses that don't have boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And constantly ask, constantly ask at all hours, that sort of thing. Um, and I think also like feeling unengaged yeah, and just not excited about what they're doing and feeling like, well, this is worth like it doesn't matter. because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's look at that. Like, what about it? Why do you feel like it's pointless? Mm-hmm. What would make it feel purposeful? Right. right. Kind of shifting that only looking at how it's negative to, okay, well, what's the opportunity in this? What are you learning from this mm-hmm. time? What are you learning from this like super uncomfortable stuck in this time? Right. And how is that going to help you actually take like the next best step forward? Right. No, that makes perfect sense. I think if you are feeling really stuck on being like, well, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I'm into, but I hate my boss. I hate my hours. I hate my desk. Mine surprisingly in the job that I hated the most which oddly enough wasn't even that horribly paying job, um, was I hated my desk. I hated my office. I hated, it was lime green. My desk was lime green and it made me want to punch my eyeballs out every single day because it was like vibrating into my brain. And I'm very much a desk person, like an aesthetic. I need to love my office. I need to love what I just need to feel good with the colors around me. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what's really hard to match is lime green. So like, even when it like, came, I'm at home goods every day during my I lunch break, I still I can't find yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. you know, I ended up with a hot pink lamp, which actually, if you're watching this, like it's still behind mm. me. That was one of the few pieces I that I could it. get to work with it. a lime green desk, but it seems so stupid, but sometimes it's those little things that really just great you day in and day out. And of course, if I loved my job, I would get over the desk. I would figure it out. It wouldn't be that big of a thing. But for me, that was like the thing that kept tapping me on the shoulder most was like, it really matters for you to love the environment in which you work. So that's an, you know, when you flip it around and you're like, okay, fine. If you hate your lime green desk, 
what does a non-hateful wandering desk look like? Right. 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 It's kind of like when you're setting an intention for yourself or a mantra for yourself or something, and you don't want to say, I'm going to not do something. Right. You want to say, I am something, right? Mm -hmm. Present tense, positive statement versus a negative statement, future tense. Like, let's shift this and your brain starts to better understand that. Absolutely. And look for those things. And then once you, I feel like when you get in the groove of doing that, it becomes a lot easier do you find that like once you get your clients thinking in that direction, it sort of snowballs from there? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I see that in myself too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like in the moments where you're like, oh my God, what did I do? Why did I take this huge risk? Blah, blah, blah. It's, it feels like nothing can go right, right? And then you're like, I'm going to focus on the positive pieces of this and what is going right. And then more of those things start to happen. Like energy attracts like energy. It's legit, you guys. This universe shit is, uh, it's It's legit. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's all very important. And, you know, mindset's such a big part of feeling happy, obviously, Mm -hmm. which, duh, but we forget, like, when you're unhappy in your job, it's so easy to let it permeate other areas of your life and just walk around with this gloomy, dark cloud over your head. When in reality, if you stop and think, you're like, okay, I'm alive. I have food. I sleep inside. Technically, I'm doing pretty great. You know, I mean, sure, if you set your bar low, like at your base level, fine. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, fine. If I hate my lime green desk, what about my job do I enjoy? Well, I really like my coworkers. Okay, cool. How can I incorporate more interaction with my coworkers every day? And then, you know, it's a domino effect, right? It's like, you start to notice more things you like. And I'm always a big fan of like, when you hate your job, really pay attention to those pieces that you hate. And when you love your job, really focus on what about it you love so that you can get more of that. Right. When you're having strong emotions about something, that is the universe trying to tell you something. Yeah. And take and whether those are strong or positive, like strong or like happy or, or not, like that strong emotion is telling you something. Yeah. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. So what do you, right now, I assume you love your job. I do. What I do, do you love about it? What's the best part? Like what makes you excited to open your laptop every day? Um, I love working with my clients. I mean, that is like, that's why I went to do this, right. Is to like get to talk to really awesome women who have really big goals for themselves and want to make it happen and aren't wanting to play safe anymore or aren't willing to just put up with the status quo because that's where they are. They're like, no, I'm going to do something awesome. And so let's dive in. Right. Um, I think that's my, that's my, absolute favorite part is just getting to have those conversations. And I'm such a people person. I love talking to people. And again, like I could network all day if I was paid to do so. Right? Yeah. So. Right. If you find that gig, you give me oh, a I'll let you know. Yeah. yeah. We can go to Take all together. I know we'll just network our way around the world. I definitely have a select group of friends that are like network junkies and people look at us like we're these psychopaths and I'm like, whatever. I love making new friends. You do you, but I'm going to meet a bunch of people. I know. I have some clients who really don't feel comfortable with networking. And I'm part of me is like, should I offer like a wing woman service for like, oh, I'll come man. with you. <laughs> that could be amazing. Like help you network. You could do <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, come with me. I'm like, okay. No, it could be Maybe like part wing woman, part hype girl, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, when you have a buddy with you to kind of talk you up, I do suggest going with a friend to networking events. Mm-hmm. Don't 
don't rely on them to like stand in a corner with and just drink the free booze. Like use them and use each other as your hype girls because it's hard to share exciting things about yourself because you start to feel like, oh, well, am I going to sound braggy or am I going to sound like I have a big ego? Right. But if right. you've got a buddy there and you're like, oh, I do this and your friend knows to pop in being like, she's underselling herself. She actually right. is amazing at this and right. you can do it for each other. That's the best case scenario. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can be professional hype girl wing women if you want. Yeah, totally. Okay, Absolutely. next phase of our careers. Next we'll phase of our careers. That. That's the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which could happen yeah. anytime, you know? I know. Yeah. And I always tell people, especially if you're introverted, like go with your way more extroverted friend because yeah. then you won't get stuck being with just each other. But that person is going to like pull you into conversations yeah. that you're going to have to be a part of. That's very smart. That's great advice. Well, Carolyn, this was fantastic. I think people are going to get a ton of great information out of this. I already did. Um, so thanks for being here. I love yeah, having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was super fun. I appreciate it. Cool. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.